Hey everyone, welcome to episode 13 of Tuesdays with Perry. So let's get him on the line. Hello? Hey Perry, my friend, how are you? I'm doing great, Rudy. How are you doing today? We're doing good, we're doing good. Um, hey, welcome back uh, to the podcast. This is episode 13 of Tuesdays with Perry. Um, How's the weather down there in Florida? Well, today I'm in Fort Lauderdale on business and it's, it's a little overcast, but um, other than that, it is a stupendous pre-Florida day. Free state of Florida. Wish I was there with you. It's starting to get cold up here in the Northeast. Uh, if, if you don't mind, I would like to talk to you about a couple stories today uh, here in the Wall Street Journal, it said home buyers flo uh, flock to Florida cities devastated by Hurricane Ian. Uh, obviously, you know, people want to get into Florida. It's caused uh, the prices, the real estate prices there to rise. And people are going down there to the hurricane, uh, the hurricane devastated areas to look for deals. So I want to talk about that story. Also, if you haven't heard, uh, the media has blasted DeSantis, your governor, for easing voter rules in the areas hit hardest by Hurricane Ian, uh, apparently because they're more Republican, so the Democrats look at it as somehow some sort of <laughs> trying to give some sort of advantage to the governor in his reelection bid. Um, but first off, I want to start with this Washington Post article. Your state of Florida is going to strip the licenses of K through three teachers who discuss gender identity and sexuality. Uh, here from their lead, uh, Florida plans to revoke or suspend the teaching licenses of elementary school educators who teach students about gender identity or sexuality, according to a new rule published by the state's Department of Education. So. What do you think of your state stripping teaching licenses uh, for educators in K through three who are discussing gender identity and sexuality? Well, quite honestly, I don't think they are going far enough. I think these, these troubled individuals need serious counseling at the very least and should be jailed for, for child abuse. And, and even, dare I say, uh, pedophilia for encouraging children who, to call them prepubescent, is, is really an understatement. I mean, we're talking about children who are barely old enough to hold a conversation with an adult, even on a child's level. And we're going to discuss sexuality with them. We're going, we're going to tell these children that it's okay, Johnny, if you think you're, you're really a Janie, and don't tell your mother or father, but we're going to help you transition. That's sickness. It, 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 it boggles my mind. And to think they, these people somehow or other don't find a problem with it, and in fact, think they, they have the right due to the fact they are so-called an educator. I, I got to tell you, it boils my blood. It really does. And, and so kudos, but I don't think it goes far enough. As a matter of fact, uh, when this first became um, 
explored in um, political news months ago, I said, well, why are we stopping at third grade? Why aren't we carrying this all the way through fifth grade so that there is no sexualization of any child K through five? Because if Johnny is in the third grade and he has a sister, Janie, who's in kindergarten or or second grade or first grade, you you don't think when he hits fourth grade, he's going to tell his younger siblings and the siblings of his friends? Right. Hey, guess what? If you have a penis, but you want a vagina, you can have that done. Why are we having, why are we taking the innocence away from our children? This is true. Why? Yeah, this is true. Like I said, kudos, but I don't think it goes far enough. Right. Well, this has become an election issue um, throughout the country. And um, I I think the Republicans are doing the right thing by uh, striking a moderate tone with not only abortion in some cases, um, but with this as well. Because if you put limits, it shows that you're not an extremist. If you put limits K through three, or you want to say K through five, uh, I, I think it should go a little bit further like you do into middle school. Um, obviously, high school uh, students should right. be able to talk about gender and sexuality. Um, but right. for the youngest, I think it strikes a moderate tone, which I think is smart in an election year. Um I agree. I think this should be done and it should be looked at more on a criminal basis than just kind of a professional slap on the wrist as far as the teachers, you know, and the teachers unions are pushing this too. So I think it is disturbing. I happen to agree with it, but it has become an election issue as far north as Michigan, you know, Virginia, New Jersey, Uh, Georgia, it it has really become an election issue. And most of the parents and most of the electorate seem to be on the side of moderating, at the very least, uh, the teacher's ability to discuss discuss such subject matters. I'm going to move on now to the hurricane because most people around the country probably have forgotten about Hurricane Ian already, but in Florida, it's still a very big issue most particularly in the devastated areas. But the Wall Street Journal is reporting that home buyers flocked to Florida cities devastated by Hurricane Ian to look for deals because your um, <laughs> your state has become a liberty sanctuary, a sanctuary state for liberty. And um, it's attracting a lot of people and it obviously uh, caused the real estate prices to go up. Um what do you think? Uh, do you think these uh, carpetbaggers, these poach, real estate poachers, um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about these people coming in and trying to get real estate deals? Obviously, some people are going to choose not to rebuild, and and so there is going to be a market. Um, what do you think about the people coming in and and looking at the the damage uh, as far as opportunity goes? Well, I think on. Um on the scale of the vast majority of these, and I'm using this this term uh, adorably, carpetbaggers. <laughs> um, I think I think these opportunists are going to be tremendously disappointed, not in the actual dollar number, but in how much they could benefit by taking advantage of someone else's. Uh, unfortunate uh, 
you know, demise with regard to what Ian had done to their, their lives and their property. I say this because we didn't need Hurricane Ian to boost our numbers. Just to give you an idea, now you have to put things into perspective, but my better half and I moved out of the Orlando area and into the great wilderness of which there are several areas still in the great state of Florida where if you want to get away from society, you can. And when we purchased our property 10 years ago, um, we bought this house on an acre of land um, for substantially less than $50,000. How did we do that? Well, it was at the very bottom of the last bottomed out market was 2012. And um, it had been a foreclosed property, yada, yada, yada. Well, that was a different time. So the opportunists who want to seize on, on you know, the devastation of, of the southwest coast of Florida, they're not going to get the dollar number that they're looking for. But you have to also put that into perspective. My home, which is, is worth an upwards of a third of a million dollars right now, um, it's worth that not because of Ian. It's worth that because of all the people who have fled the overburdensome regulate, regulative-styled uh, form of Democrat governance up in the Northeast and Midwest and have flocked over, uh, certainly since the last two and a half years, but even before then. Um, they wanted to get away from high taxation, over-regulation, uh, lack of ability to live their lives freely with liberty and, and have come here, not because of Ron DeSantis, but because going back to the beginnings with, with um, Jeb Bush in the late 1990s, early 2000s, we have had successive Republican governor and, and um, assembly every two years and every four years since Jeb. And so this has been building to a crescendo. All, all people are going to see when it comes to taking advantage of property opportunities here in Florida is you're going to be able to find more properties available because like you just said, there are a lot of people that have, you know, whether it's because of age restriction, you know, a lot of retirees in their 70s, 80s, and even 90s who are independent and they've lost their home and they've said to their better halves, you know what, it's time to check out. Let's, let's just, let's get what we can for our property, which we own free and clear, and let's start over somewhere else where we can just move in and be happy for whatever time God gives us from here on out. That's not going to translate into, um, bargain hunting it's just not right well also i want to talk a little bit more about the hurricane here because um the left-wing media and others uh were giving ron DeSantis a hard time because of of the fact that he decided to ease voter rules in the areas hit hardest by hurricane ian and they're claiming he did this because they're overwhelmingly republican so they're actually accusing him of some sort of cheating in regards to his own reelection. Um, but he expanded early voting access for counties most affected by Hurricane Ian. Um, 
obviously because of the devastation and there's going to be a, a great deal of hardship for the residents there. That is obvious. What do you think about the <laughs> the mainstream media uh, hurling, uh, you know, these accusations towards your governor um, of being, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a favoritism, uh, claiming favoritism here when it's obviously just a way to help out uh, these devastated areas because <laughs> they're going to have a hard time, um, you know, conducting the election just with all the devastation. Um, so I, I think it was a fair, you know, it was a fair thing that he did. And it's not surprising that the, uh, that the media lashes out at, at Ron DeSantis once again. Well, look, every time Ron DeSantis farts, they call him a polluter. So, you know, what else is new? I, I, I could care less about what the lame brain media thinks about this, but the, but to answer your question, um, number one, did they bother to ask any of the Democrat voters who are in those districts what they think about the governor making it easier for them to cast their vote, which cancels out my vote? No, I don't think they bothered to do that. I also don't think they bothered to look at the other counties like Hernando and Citrus, which are um, overwhelmingly uh, Democrat, which are going to have the same opportunities. And so it's not, it's, it's never about doing the right thing when it comes to the media reporting. It's all about how can we get them today? And so it's much ado about nothing. And I'm, how many times have we had this conversation, Rudy, over these past now 13 weeks? I'm used to this. I've grown accustomed to it over the past four decades of my life. And all I say to him is give me an opportunity to tell you what I really think of you and your biased reporting and put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> and, but I, I really get an opportunity for that. I did in the, in, in the 2000 presidential election when I was interviewed by an Orlando Slantinal reporter and I, I, I got my say and it actually did get reported. So anyway, Moving along. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, it's my understanding here. We, last time uh, we were talking about the hurricane, we talked about the bridge to Pine Island, which was repaired in, in basically a couple days. Um, and now is my understanding that the bridge to Sanibel Island has already been uh, reconstituted in, in, in some uh, form. Can you explain a little bit about that? I couldn't believe I heard that because I know the Sanibel Bridge was was devastated uh, quite literally uh, in a bunch of different places, washed away. Uh, is is the Sanibel Bridge is up, I guess, and they got crews, uh, electricity crews in there working already. This is really quite a miracle. Yeah, I'm waiting for the media to accuse Ron DeSantis and the Republicans for only doing this because it's a Republican bastion. Um, putting, putting that aside for a second, um, I will tell you, as, as a person who earns uh, their living in construction forensics, um, I'm still in awe. I wish I could have been there to physically watch and report on this, which of course the media barely did. I want, I want your listeners to understand the thing about bridge construction. And that is 
in order to create a span, whether it's sitting on piles or whether it's suspended over water, takes many, many months to accomplish. And the Sanibel Causeway is kind of like the Chesapeake Bay um, Bridge Tunnel Authority. And again, we're kind of getting into the weeds here, but if anybody ever looks up the, the, um, the Bridge Tunnel Causeway of the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia, what you're going to learn is how they tunneled, how they bridged, how they did this, how they did that over the course of, of dozens of miles. They had to do, in essence, a similar thing here in Sanibel because the causeway from from mainland to touching Sanibel Island, the southern tip of Sanibel Island, is um, oh, maybe two miles, maybe longer, but roughly two miles. And it has island hops. So you have the bridge, then you have an island, then you have another bridge, then an island and another bridge. Well, there were whole sections of bridge taken out. Well, what was underneath the bridge? There was water. Now you have people stranded on the island. They couldn't get out in time, and that's a conversation worth having in another day. How do we get to them? Well, thank God for the, the military, specifically the Coast Guard, who was able to, to do extraction via helicopter. But then there were people who were able to stay on the island. And they were they were physically fit, but now they're completely isolated unless somebody beached a boat and they got on the boat and then went back to the mainland. So in the course of less than a week, where there once was bridge and it no longer stood, they've been able to bring it 24 hours a day and within the course of five days and nights, enough sand and enough limestone to build a land bridge so that utility workers, not not just linemen, but we're talking about having uh, pipe fitters come in because the, the, the sewers were taken out, the water uh, mains were taken out along with the bridges. So they had to come in and they had to do all of this and they got it done in five days. Now, this is only temporary. They're going to have to build a new bridge, but there are now people able to access the island. They are re-energizing the island as we speak. And when I say island, there are two. There's, there's Captiva. And they are able to resupply whatever stores may remain. And if not, I'm sure companies like Publix, who have donated food by the tractor trailer to Pine Island and what have you are going to do the same thing to whatever residents remain on Sanibel and Captiva because as the governor said, roughly 20% of all structures remain. So with that having been said, life goes on. And it was done in historical time. Why? Because the EPA, the DEP, were told, go pound sand. We're not interested in your regulations. We're interested in saving lives and sparing people. And their and their property, and they just did it, and that's what Representative Donald told uh, Governor DeSantis two weeks ago. Look, Governor, I've got people here who are marine contractors who have told me we can have Pine Island open in two days. You can either jump on our train 
where you could sit at the station, but we're moving ahead whether you like it or not. And so the government got behind the people and let the people lead. That's what America used to be. And it's nice to know there are still remnants of that type of of, uh, thinking in our country. And I'm so proud that it's the way it is in my state. Yeah, in Florida. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I know we talked about Pine Island getting repaired in two days. And when I heard on alternative media, by the way, I didn't hear this from mainstream media, that uh, from somebody else down in Florida, an alternative media person uh, said, the causeway to Sanibel Island is reopened. I was like, what? And that was only a few days (laughs) after we spoke last time. So I'm really impressed. I'm impressed with the state. I can't wait to get down there again. And... um, you know, Perry, it's always great to talk to you because, you know, I always learn so much about what's going on down there. And it's your perspective and the perspective of Floridians um, that really make uh, people remember, as you said, what America used to be, um, that uh, a place where uh, the citizens can lead and the government is there to support the citizens and not vice versa. So, uh I'm actually, we're going to cut it. We're going to cut it there. If that's okay with you, you have anything else to add? Uh, There's always more to add, but I, I respect and so value your time, Rudy. I enjoy every one of these episodes that you and I share, and I can't wait for the next one. All right. Episode 14th next week. Thanks, Perry. Perry from Florida. And, um, Hey man, always great to talk to you. And, uh, I'm going to talk to you soon. Thanks friend. You got it. Take care, buddy. Yeah. See ya. Bye-bye. All right, there you go. Perry from Florida, learning a little bit more about um, his state, his governor, and the great uh, reconstruction efforts that are going on there uh, in the devastated areas there on the west coast of Florida. Um, They really had quite a bunch of devastation. And the fact is, is that Sanibel, Captiva, and Pine Island were really cut off um, and they couldn't get power restored unless they got the energy uh, the energy company trucks going in there, fixing the lines and, and so forth and so on. Um, really quite impressive. And as I just mentioned with Perry, it was great to see that, you know, the citizens lined up first. Let's get this thing fixed. And um, they got the support from the state. Really impressive. All right, that's it. Episode 13, Tuesday was with Perry. I'll see everybody tomorrow. And for those of you just turning in to hear Perry, we'll see you next week.